Well, amen, amen. You may be seated. All right, all right, bad joke to start. So, hey, I'm glad that you tuned in. I'm glad that we're going to be able to walk through this. Now, let me start off by asking you a question. Uh, it's this, how big is your heart for broken people? Like, like how big is that? Have you ever th- thought and thought? Just stopped and thought, like, does my heart bleed? Does it break for people that are broken in life? You see, we're walking through this series called What Priorities Led Jesus' Decisions. And and these are things that were important to Jesus, and they show up in the writing about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as we look at those writings and we see what the gospel writers want to tell us, it is very hard to not see clearly that Jesus' heart bled for people who were broken. In fact, we see it show up many times in the way he interacts with people and talks with people, forgives people, and restores people. But we also see it in his teaching. And there's a teaching that we know, it's become very popular for us, called the Sermon on the Mount. Shows up in in Luke chapter 6, shows up in Matthew chapter 5 as well. Now, I don't think this is a teaching that just happened one time. In fact, I think this is a teaching that Jesus teaches many, many times when people come together to hear him. It was a dominant theme and message that he wanted to share with the people of his day. And it speaks to this idea of how big his heart is for broken people. Let's just take a look at uh, Luke's account this morning. It's found in Luke chapter 6, starts in verse 17. Let's read. It says, he went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, this is just common. Jesus, when at this point, he had gone out and his closest followers are known as the disciples. These are people that are kind of leaving their daily life and their daily function to follow Jesus. And they get this term, disciple. But there's also other people that are following him. There's crowds that gather in the regions that he's at, uh, but there's also people that are traveling, maybe a region or two over as well. So that's what's going on. It's pretty common at this point. These people who have come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, those troubled by impure spirits, were cured, and people all tried to touch him. Why? Because power was coming from him and healing them all. You see, at this point, one of the dominant things that Jesus was doing was bringing healing, physical healing, or uh, healing of impure spirits, as in this passage. And so, if you were doing some healings, you're going to gather a pretty good crowd together. So, that's what's going on. But in this particular moment, we're going to see that Jesus wants to now share a message. And this is a message that he's going to share over and over, both in his words and his actions throughout the Gospels. He looks at his disciples. He says this, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you or insult you, And reject your name as evil. Why? Because of the Son of Man. So as Jesus is speaking to this crowd, which is full of his followers and and a crowd, there's also religious leaders that are among them as well. But the most dominant number of people would have been what the Gospels refer to as the people 
or the crowd or the multitudes. It simply means this. It is just the common folk, just the common people out there. It's kind of like you and I just roaming around in a crowd, and Jesus is speaking to them. Now, he's identifying who's in the crowd as well. Notice as he speaks to them, he identifies, there's really four groups of people that he identifies outside of the religious leader and, of course, his closest followers, his disciples. We find that he identifies the poor. He says the poor are among them. He speaks to them. This is actually a common theme when Jesus teaches at times to teach to the poor. Now, Matthew's account of this same story, Matthew chapter 5, in verse 3, Matthew actually speaks on on a broader sense. So instead of just thinking about financially poor, Matthew puts it in these terms, the poor in spirit. Now, we understand what that means sometimes when we say the poor in spirit. We mean the broken in spirit, the broken in life. Like sometimes we will describe people that way, right? We will say, Man, they're just kind of broken in life. And we don't necessarily mean the circumstance that they just went through. We understand there's something internally broken or or, or just damaged, and they're trying to live life out in that. And we call them the broken. Jesus calls them the broken in spirit. He also talks to the hungry here. And we might think in terms of hungry in the sense of we need food to eat. But Matthew expands this, and he actually calls it those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are people that are longing for justice. They feel either either wronged by themselves or wronged in general by by culture or oppressors. They're longing for righteousness, for justice. And then we get this communication to the grief-stricken. These are people that are weeping and mourning Like they're right in the midst of something. This is people that are dealing with hardship is how Matthew is describing this. Now you might have had times in your life where you were like, man, I was just so grief stricken at that season of life. And Jesus is speaking to a crowd that has people mixed into it who are among the grief stricken. And finally, an interesting one, he speaks to those who are persecuted. Like these are the people who actually are striving to be faithful. They're striving to live out the right way. They're trying to live out God's way, and they have actually found persecution in the middle of that. And Jesus is speaking to this group as well. So all of this this crowd is mixed up with these four types of people, as well as people who were his closest followers, as well as people who were religious leaders. They were probably pretty, uh, uh, pretty careful about wanting to allow Jesus to speak too much or on how much they were going to receive on what Jesus was saying. So this morning, the question is, what priorities led Jesus' decisions? And what we find is when Jesus interacts with people, that these four people we just talked about, they actually guide and lead how Jesus interacts because he has this huge heart for these four type of people, these broken type of people. His heart bleeds for them. And I think our hearts should bleed for them as well. But before we get that far, I want to talk to you if you this morning are one of these four people. In fact, this morning, if you're broken, if you're among the poor in spirit, as Matthew describes it, God has this word for you. 
In fact, what we find there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, is this, Matthew records it this way. Jesus is the one talking. He says, if you're poor in spirit, the kingdom of God is available to you. Maybe your translation says the kingdom of heaven is available to you. Now, we mess this up sometimes. We hear a phrase like the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, and we immediately think of heaven as in life eternal. One day I'm going to die, and I'm going to go on and to be with God internally. God is there creating a room for me right now, and I'm going to go dwell in it one day. That's actually not what Jesus is speaking about here. When he says the kingdom of God, it's something so much bigger than just the idea of going to heaven one day. In fact, what Matthew is describing in Jesus' words here is really this. The kingdom of God is God's loving presence. Like, that God's loving presence is available to the broken, the poor in spirit. Even right here, right now, today, this moment, Jesus is declaring that the loving presence presence of God is available to you if you're broken. Listen, he's speaking this to people 2,000 years ago, but today it might be you, right? It might be you that say, I am so broken in my spirit. I'm so broken. And think about it. Like, think about the message if he was just referring to heaven eternal, uh, that Jesus would be saying, hey, blessed are you who are broken, right? Because if you would just suck it up, and endure what you're going through the rest of your life, one day you'll get to heaven and you won't have to endure it anymore. One day God's loving presence will be available to you. No, Jesus is actually saying right here, right now, God's loving presence is available. The kingdom of heaven is available to you. Listen, if you're broken today, if this is your spirit, if this is the state or you live in or the season of life you're living in, would you know that God's loving presence is available to you? Right here, today, now, his presence in Christ is available. Maybe this morning you'd say, uh, I'm kind of like that, uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Like if you want things to be made right, you know, you, you want justice, that's kind of where you live. Guess what? The Bible tells us you will be filled. It's kind of like this. They're saying there's this void or this emptiness. There's this thing that's not right and not whole because I don't experience justice or righteousness. I want these things to be made right. And Matthew describes it when he writes Jesus's words, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they're going to be filled. That, that wholeness is going to be filled in with God's righteousness. God's righteousness. Now, we get this wrong a little bit, too, sometimes. Uh, this term, God's righteousness, sometimes we think all that means is God's, like, piety. That's his holiness. That is his do's and don'ts and, and his perfection in that. But that's not really what Jesus is getting at here. When Jesus talks about the righteousness of God filling us up, he's talking about God's restoration. He's talking about how God will restore us and make us whole. That God will bring this to us, even in the midst of a difficulty of justice and righteousness and this longing and this emptiness we feel. God wants to restore us, to redeem us. 
Listen, it may be today that you are much like this person Jesus is speaking to, and you're just longing for it. You feel the emptiness, uh, the lack of wholeness, and you're longing for righteousness and justice to have more play in your life or in our world. And the, the, the word from Christ today is God wants to bring restoration to your life, wholeness to your life. That's his righteousness. Maybe today you're like that third group Jesus is talking to, and you're grieving. You're just hurting, experiencing a loss. It could be or a hardship, and you're just in this grief-stricken time of your life. It could be recent. You're just dealing with it. You might be living there for years, five, ten years, and you would describe yourself as, I just am defeated in life because I'm grieving still. The comfort word here is you're going to be comforted. They, they, Jesus says to you, they will be comforted. It's a promise from Christ here. You will be comforted. It will come to you. Now, we all know uh, what comfort means, right? We, we sometimes offer it or sometimes receive it. And we also all know when somebody means well, they're trying to comfort us, but it's just not coming off that way. You know, they, they give us maybe Christian catchphrases, they one half of certain verses that are supposed to cheer us up. Uh, but in the end, they don't really do that at all. In fact, they might even go the other way, and they might even hurt us just a little, though they didn't intend it. But then when somebody in our life who deeply loves us, who cares for us, comes along and they just want to be there, they want to listen and let us just spew all over and, and share. Or they want to sit there and just be in silence with us. And we feel that embrace and that love. And with it comes comfort. This is the type of comfort that Jesus is offering. To come into our life and to say, I, I want to be that comfort you need. In fact, the Apostle Paul, you remember him? He was the one who was uh, persecuting Christians, and then God got a hold of his life, and he had his dramatic conversion and became a Christian, and then I went out and started sharing Jesus with everyone he came in contact with. I admire Paul. But he would start many of his letters to the church. These are letters of encouragement, and he would start many of them and end many of them this way. He would use the phrase, grace and peace. This is what God's comfort really is. God's grace, His loving presence on your life, God's peace. Even in the midst of hardships and difficulties and your grief, grace and peace. Grace and peace on you. Can you imagine if, if we lived our lives that way where we offered everywhere we went God's grace and God's peace on people's lives? What type of comfort would that be? I mean, in this day and age, it's so easy uh, with social media and with these avenues to share what we think, to be very, very opinionated people, to speak into people's lives in the way where we're actually critiquing them or judging them or uh, trying to set them straight. But what would it be like if what we spoke into people's lives was God's grace and God's peace? That's God's comfort. And Jesus is speaking that. Listen, if today you need to be comforted, you need to know that Christ wants to offer you God's grace and his peace in the middle of your life, in the middle of your grief.
finally, we, we get this concept of being persecuted. Like Jesus wants to acknowledge that these, there's this group of people that are actually trying hard to live out faithfulness in God. They're trying to live out his ways. Some are living out his ways the best they know how, the best they understand the scripture. I think there's people like that today. And here's what I love that he says. What's available to them? The kingdom of God is available to them. The same way he would talk to somebody who is broken in spirit, he says, look, when you're persecuted, when you are on the path of trying to live out faithfulness and you run into all kinds of obstacles or you run into even persecution, the kingdom of heaven, the loving presence of God is available to you. It's like Jesus is saying this, look, God's not even going to wait till you're broken and beat down in life. Like even in the midst when you're going through hardships or difficulties, even when somebody might turn and hate your name because of your faithfulness, God's loving presence is upon you. It's almost like this. It'd be described as God's unshakable security. God has you. You're secure in him. Just keep living it out, living out your faithfulness. God has you. Now, sometimes we get this wrong as well. What we think is, well, when I come to God, shouldn't all these hardships, persecution, these type of things, shouldn't that go away? It shouldn't be part of the Christian life, right? Grace and peace, you know? But sometimes we take verses out of context. We take a verse that says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And we forget that that is spoken to a certain people at a certain time. In fact, what we find in the New Testament is we don't see where God ever says we're not going to have hardship or difficulties. In fact, we see the opposite. We see God almost guarantees we're going to have hardship and difficulty. But God says, my loving presence goes with you. You are not alone. I walk with you. I offer that, extend that to you, and you have my security to go with you. That's the blessing when we feel persecution, when we feel hardship because of our faithfulness to live out the ways of God. So this morning, here's the takeaway. It's actually two statements I want to share, and I want to spend just a moment of time here. The first is this. Receive what God is extending to you. Now, if you receive the sermon notes via email this morning, you'll notice there's three blanks on there. And those are just for you to write down whatever it is God is giving and extending to you this morning that you would receive it. Or use the notes feature on your phone or some other way to just write that down. Receive what God is extending. If this morning you are broken in spirit, if you're broken in life, would you receive the loving presence of God? That God is real. It's like A.W. Tozer once described, that God's presence is all around us, everywhere. We can never escape it, but he is waiting patiently for us to invite him into our space, into our lives. And God will always pursue us. He'll always be there, but he will never shove his way in. And so if you're broken, would you invite God in? Would you give him space in your life? Practical ways of getting into his word and reading, finding a mature Christian and just sharing where you're at in life and what's going on. What does God have to offer you? 
being prayed for and prayed over, finding a, a church that you can plug into and be a part of God's family. We're not perfect by any stretch, but being a part of God's family. If you're broken, invite God's loving presence into your life. Give Him space. But maybe this morning you're longing for justice and, and righteousness. You're longing for God's restoration to fill up so you could be whole once again. Receive that. God is extending that to you this morning. Receive that and take that in. And trust that when God brings restoration, He brings wholeness. That's completeness as well. And receive that and own that. Maybe this morning, though, you're grieving. I want to invite you to receive the comfort of God, His grace and peace. Let that come in. For some of us, sometimes we almost get to a place where we need the grief to keep functioning each day. And God said, there's so much more that I have to offer you if you would receive my comfort, my grace, and my peace on your life. That peace that His, his Word tells us passes all understanding. It doesn't even make sense that you should have it, but you can have it through Christ. And if you're persecuted this morning, stay faithful. Keep walking it. Keep walking that path, knowing God is walking with you. He has you. You are secure in Him. His presence is available for you every step as you walk in faithfulness. Receive what God's extending to you. Would you just write something down in that blank? Make some note that said, this is what God is extending me today, and I'm going to receive this. It could be that all four of these today is what God is extending, and you need to receive them. But maybe there's one particular thing that was most heavy on your heart this morning, and this is the word from God you needed today, that He is saying, I extend this to you. I give this to you. Would you receive that today? Here's the second sentence under the takeaway. And it goes back to this original question I asked at the very beginning of the sermon. How big is your heart for people who are broken? How big really is it? Here's the takeaway phrase. Offer what God has extended to you. Offer it. When you see somebody broken in life, and you would describe them as just broken in spirit, would you offer them God's loving presence? Often they can't see it themselves, so you offer it to them through your life in Christ, what you've experienced in Jesus, the transformation, the wholeness that he's brought to you, you offer that to them, God's loving presence through you to someone else. That's a powerful way to share God with someone else. Maybe it's somebody who they, they need to feel that wholeness in God's restoration. You bring restoration to them. You offer what you know God offers to people. God will empower you to offer that to other people, this wholeness and restoration and even redemption to their lives that's seeking. When they're grieving, you be there to comfort them. Be there with real words of hope. Give them your time, lots and lots of time to comfort somebody and care for somebody. And in that way, you're not just saying the words grace and peace, though those are great words to say, but you're offering grace and peace to their life. 
And when somebody's persecuted, when somebody is struggling in their faithfulness to remain faithful and to live it out even in the midst of hardships, you remind them of God's security. You remind them to stay faithful, that you'll make it, that you're there with them. You'll walk with them. You'll help hold them accountable. You'll help strengthen them because the kingdom of heaven is actually going to be to them through you. So offer what God has extended to you. Expand how big your heart is for broken people. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in what's become one of my favorite Bible verses. It's found in Galatians chapter 5. It says this. For the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. The only thing that counts. Like, really, Paul, the only thing that counts the only thing, like my, my ears would perk up, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. As if he's saying, look, after you have faith in God, then carry that out, that faith out, express itself, express that faith in how you love and care for other people. Offer what God has extended to you, to others. That's our goal. That's our mission expand how big your heart is for broken people. Why? Because what informed Jesus's decisions? Well, he restored broken people. He loved broken people. So this morning, receive what God's extended to you. Receive it. Own it. It's there for you. And then offer it to other people as well. Would you bow and pray with me? Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for those that tuned in to to be encouraged by you this morning, Lord, a time of worship and praise and celebration, but Lord, also a time to be challenged and maybe even our hearts convicted. Father, I want to pray especially for the person this morning who would describe their life as broken. Father, would they draw close to you? Would they understand that your loving presence, that's your grace, your loving presence is available to them right here, right now? Would they, almost in a real tangible way, extend up their hand and say, oh, I receive your loving presence. Come, fill my space, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you do that. Father, I want to pray for those that are grieving this morning through something they're going through now or have been through, whether recently here or a long time, Lord, that they're grieving that your comfort would be on them right here, right now. Would they feel it? Would they choose it as well? Father, would you call us and send us to be faithful, knowing that your security goes with us? And then ultimately, Lord, Father, now, even though we're scattered throughout, even though, Lord, we're in a time where we're not supposed to have a lot of contact with people, at least in the coming weeks, Father, would you use us when we do? Would you use us to offer what you've extended to us to other people? Use us to be a blessing in whatever way that we would go and we would be, for someone else, your presence. And we would introduce them to your son and what your son has done in our life. Would we be the comfort? Would we be the security until they can see it in you and grab hold of it in you themselves? Use us to that end, Lord. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow uh, we're going to send out 
uh, an email with, uh, and a text with uh, an opportunity to be prayed for and to share with us whatever God is doing in your life, whatever way you need to respond today uh, to today's teaching as well. And so look for that uh, also. Uh, Please let us know what we can pray for you about this week. Uh, we'll be praying for lots of things in general, but we want to pray for you specifically. So follow the link in the text that comes out as well. Normally we have a thing we call the connection card where you can actually share with us what's going on and how you're responding to what God is speaking to you about. And we'll put that in email form to you uh, as well. So if you're watching this morning and you're not on our regular email list, if you would use our Facebook page, just send us a little message on the Facebook page and we'll add you to that uh, text and to that email list as well. And you can get all of that stuff this week. Oh, the Lord bless you. Have a great Sabbath. Find a way to do something uh, in our situation today that you otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Bless one another in your family as well. Times of prayer, times of getting in God's word. Give God space during this time as well. The Lord bless you.